All right, everyone, welcome back to the Pulse Podcast. After a wonderful summer hiatus, we have returned. I got kicked off my beach volleyball team because the weather got bad. And uh, yeah, we're back to podcasting. And I am here today. Oh, of course, my name is Jeff. I am an R3 in physiatry now, and I'm here with Paul. Hi, guys. My name is Paul. I'm an R2 in physical medicine rehabilitation with Jeff. Happy to be here after the summer. Sorry to hear about the volleyball team. Oh, yeah, and it was real bad. I cried for days. But, you know, I'll get over it. There's always next summer. So, Paul, today we are going to talk about food. I definitely have an interest in this topic. Yeah, I think we all do. I mean, the real struggle here for me is uh, how do we eat healthily well as residents? And like this, at first I thought this podcast was going to be a little flippant, but then when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? How many times have we told a patient that they need to eat well? No, I mean, it's a regular thing. At almost every service, it comes up. I mean, cardiovascular risk factors, diet is one of the big ones. It's a challenge that affects everybody. It's a huge challenge in North America. For sure. And so the question is, are we doing it ourselves? I, I won't speak for the rest of the resident crew <laughs> on this one. I have room for improvement. Yeah, and I think we, we probably all do. I totally include myself in that as well. Um, there's definitely days where I just, just don't get it together and end up buying something I probably shouldn't halfway through the shift. So yeah, I thought it would be interesting to have a chat with residents about how they manage diet. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do a little mini mini series as has been our tradition recently. Someone told me I talk too much and that we have to do shorter episodes. So I guess I'm not helping with this intro, but <laughs> it's okay, man. I'm in the same program with you. Usually at least 20% of what you say is worthwhile. So <laughs> thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go for shorter episodes in this mini series and we're just going to try and touch on maintaining a healthy diet and residency. So, Paul, just to start, um, why don't we just talk about what we eat? I, I can do mine really quickly because believe it or not, I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. I do it at least you're consistent. Oatmeal and an egg and two cups of coffee. I eat, okay. this, I eat the same thing for lunch every single day, <laughs> unless I forget, which is just uh, like a, a vegetable salad with chicken. And then dinner's where it gets wild. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and how I manage it is once a week, I batch cook something. And every week it's different, but usually it's some kind of stew. Because, you know, my mom's Irish and all she ever cooked yep. was stew. You're repping your Irish roots there. Yep. Um, and that's that's it. That's all I eat. And then in between, there's lots of stuff I shouldn't eat. I was about to say, <laughs> I mean, you're leaving out a lot of the snacking here. Because I think that's part of it as well. Uh, the phenomenon, the staff or the chief resident uh, wants to take you guys out for coffee and is yeah, buying. And yeah, yeah. So then there's the daily disappointing muffin, which I should not do, but I usually do. Yeah, same calories as a donut, man. If you're gonna go for the muffin, just get the just get the good stuff. <laughs> so someone once told me muffins are just cake masquerading as breakfast food, and that that couldn't be more correct. It's accurate. I feel a bit bad. To act. Now I have to follow up that and tell you guys what my diet is. Um, I typically don't eat much for breakfast. I usually just have a coffee. We invested in a really high end espresso machine a oh, couple of years right. back. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Um, <laughs> we actually like I actually just do like a latte. I get some calories in the filling from the milk. Lunch for me is usually pretty light, usually a sandwich, hard-boiled egg, or a salad, yeah, or yeah. a lot of times, too, if it's starting a new block, I don't really know where I'm going to put food that I brought with me. So sometimes on the first couple of days of a new rotation, I will actually just give in and buy something. Cafe Ami has made way more money off of me than I'm comfortable <laughs> admitting. <laughs> and for, then, for those who don't know, that's the cafe at VGH, which overcharges for disappointing muffins, just saying. 
Yeah, I gave up on the muffins. I just buy the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then dinner is always a bit of a variety. Same sort of thing. Batch cook when you can. And then otherwise try to usually build some sort of mix of things. So try to get a vegetable, a starch, and a protein source that goes into a meal as a general approach. And then lots of variety because I get bored of stuff. I also don't cook all that much. So the batch is a good way to go too. And so here is, I think, a good breakdown. Um, so I do all my own cooking because I live alone. But I happen to know that you do not live alone. So how much of your own cooking do you do? I would love to pass on this question. And the number is going to be about 30%. <laughs> Ooh, Paul, you might be spending some time on the couch with an answer like that. <laughs> but I think this is important because when, um, when you have a partner or, or even a roommate and you can share the cooking load, it, it really changes what's available, I think. Yeah. Uh, Whereas a fair amount of my free time is spent cooking, believe it or not. And I'm a batch cooker. Like, I only cook twice a week. Now, and then there's a secondary part of that, too, which I know for me on a busy rotation, if my partner's not around, um, if I'm going to cook something for myself, there's usually the time spent in the prep and the cleanup that comes to it as well. Yeah. And if you're running behind, you're busy, or if you've got a lot of studying to do for something or an early morning, that idea of having to clean up after cooking actually a pretty big barrier sometimes where it gets a lot easier to just look at your uber eats or to look at something else as an option for sure now uh so that's kind of our our diets and i guess our diets sound like okay except for my muffin habit which i need to kick but um anybody with a dietitian background listening to this <laughs> is gonna be like no dudes no dudes <laughs> yeah I, I don't know I, but but i guess the moral of the story for me so far is it's hard to find time to make sure that we eat well but uh, we kind of have to. Yeah, and I think most of us, at least from my suspicion, would say that the time is the biggest issue. Yeah. Like there's secondary would be a knowledge gap. Maybe you don't know how to cook all that well. It's a bit of an uphill battle to learn how to cook good food and to learn how to cook it efficiently. Like, like I've undercooked and overcooked and just about everything I've tried at some point. Yeah, I have to say my uh, my mom was like a strong traditional mother, and but I grew up in a matriarchy, and that was the one excellent thing about the matriarchy i learned how to cook <laughs> so i shouldn't say that's the only good thing before i get in trouble nice but <laughs> that was one of many good things <laughs> i think there's a, a third piece that comes up on this that we haven't mentioned and it's when you're on the wards a lot of times there's food there that yeah. materializes there's that box of timbits or somebody brought in cookies that they baked or a patient brought in a box of chocolates so in the goal of trying to avoid things that are sort of high glycemic index, things that are going to be lots of fat, low calorie stuff that's not going to make you feel full, but give you a huge calorie, fat, sugar load, that stuff just pops up in front of you all the time. And I think most of us in thinking about our diet might almost just not remember those times that we snacked on it throughout the day. Oh, you're so right. And uh, if I was honest with you, I don't know if a day goes by where I don't hit one of those ward snacks, which I really shouldn't. Like oh. like the the go-to is the patient the patient gift when you get the box of Timbits. Somehow in my mind, those are free calories. I don't know why, because I earned them. I don't know. It just, it, it's nonsensical, but I definitely, I definitely indulge. And there's a second risk in going for the award food as well. I was on a heavy call service <laughs> over Christmas of last year. So sucks working over Christmas Eve. But at the same time, there was a smorgasbord of food on literally every single floor in VGH. And I was on a like 36 hour call shift. And I was there and I just made the rounds going through. I think I hit like every single floor to sample their food, <laughs> some of which has actually been sitting out probably for about 15 hours by the time that I'm getting to it. 
but I'm hungry and delirious, so I don't really care. There's food. It's free. I got to say, we should have done a podcast on that, interviewing you and giving your like five-star rating for each floor. Oh, man, that'd be good. <laughs> I, I will say, fifth, so far, fifth floor of UGH, neurosciences, that was, that was, the, that was money. That was the, that was the one-star Michelin eh? or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> that's awesome um so then the worst part about the story was is like 12 hours later i was just lying there puking my guts out something something had been there for a little bit too long and then i paid for that yeah one of my favorite jokes when i'm on service is when there's a box of timbits to pass it around and ask anyone if they would like some norovirus but uh (laughs) i I think you won Uh, all right. So, I mean, that's us. We talked about the good and the bad of our own diets, but we didn't just talk to uh, ourselves. We're both physiatry residents, and there's always a reasonable question of what are these physiatry residents talking about lack of time for. So, uh, it's a fair point. We, uh, we, did fair de- point. we did decide to talk to other residents. And so, why don't we just parachute in, Nick? So, Nick is an eMERGE resident. He's an R3 in emergency medicine. He's also the president of the resident doctors of BC. So, he's a, he's a big cheese. He doesn't have time for things like cooking meals. And uh, we, we asked Nick, like, you know, what do you do for meals? And the first thing he told us was, you know, it's hard to find time to cook. So let's, let's hear from Nick and see what he had to say. I, I think that's, for me, that was one of the challenges with uh, a residency, regardless of your program, but it, it emerges well, that is to where you can find the time to be able to pre- prepare really cool things, really different things, but also um, have time to do your clinical duties and that sort of thing. Um, so I started uh, looking at different options. And one thing I really like a lot is these uh, groceries uh, and meal prep delivery services. Okay, so we have another vote for we don't have enough time to make good food. The excuses are flowing. I love it. Huh. Uh, but but Nick brought up the idea of meal prep. Have you ever heard of this stuff? Yeah, so there's a, a couple of the ones that are out there. And, and do you ever use them? I've used one of them. I've used Fresh Prep a couple of times. No affiliation or any sort of promotion of them. Um, they were just one of the ones that I heard of and tried. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I I did ask Nick, actually, like, what is meal prep? Break it down for me, because all I do is cook in my pressure cooker. Uh, So this is what what Nick had to to explain when he said, when he tried to explain meal prep to us. You go online. Every week, there's a different set of recipes. You order um, however many meals you want that week. So two, three, or four meals per week. And usually, they're servings for two. So if you have, you live with someone else, you can both share that meal or if you're like me and I'm alone I just have it for the next day Um, and they send you every week uh, all the ingredients and oftentimes the ingredients are already pre-cut and prepared uh, for the recipes of that week so I just go in online order three different meals there's a lot of different options that cater to many different diets like I'm someone who enjoys meat but if you don't enjoy meat there's vegetarian options and vegan options as well um and then you'll get those delivered in uh at at your home in a cooler all right so nick broke it down you know that that actually sounds pretty cool somebody does all the boring stuff for me and then it shows up my house shows up at my house perfectly proportioned and just ready for me to put in a pile and then put in my stomach but but is he really working hard enough to call that cooking (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired, I guess. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like a good solution to the problem of time. Yeah, I think it's one of the options to go with. Um, certainly something that's beneficial because you can pre-plan it a little bit. You can get some sort of scheduling going. Um, I mean, drawbacks are you're going to have to have the money to do that as well because you're hiring a service that's going to provide that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I, I, I did ask Nick, and I think he told me it was um, $60 a week for him. Now, he lives alone, so each one of those meals counts as two meals. Um, but $60 a week for six meals. I mean, it's not that bad, really. Uh, he did. He was playing some games with coupons, though, so you, know, you can never trust the coupons. Smart guy. Smart guy, indeed. The other thing Nick brought up is he was always giving me a hard time because, uh, as you may have noticed, Paul, at half day, I eat the exact same thing every day. And uh, he was he was saying that he could never do that. He could never eat the same thing every day. I got to agree with him on this one. I mean, I, I can do the same sandwich for maybe a week and then I just am dreading eating lunch. Yeah, there's something wrong with you guys. I've had the exact same thing for lunch for like eight years. Huh. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so this is one of the benefits that Nick brought up. And this is what he had to say about that. The other thing that's cool is you, you get to try things that you wouldn't try normally because like, for example, there's, um, you know, I had recently something that had uh, a lot of different ingredients like uh, couscous and figs salad. And I would never buy these different ingredients on their own because they come in large enough volumes that I would never go through like an entire package of figs or something like that. But because it's all pre-portioned, you can actually try a lot of new different recipes First of all, do figs come in packages? I would like a fact check on that. Obviously, man. You got to trust what the president has to say. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess he has, a, he has a, some good points. He's selling me on this meal prep thing. Uh, the variety is kind of cool on this one, and it does it solves the time factor for yep. sure. It yep. also gives you a bit of access to variety. So, I mean, if I was limited to what I could cook for dinner and lunch, again, I'd be like you. I would be eating one thing every day for eight years. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I do. Sounds awful. I love so it. Awful. It's so good. So, I mean, I guess what we're coming to here is, we're going to explore this more throughout the miniseries, but time's a problem. Yeah. I, but there's ways around it. I think so. I think time is probably the overriding one. And then if you don't have the time, you can solve it. But it comes with building up other areas or sacrificing other things. So if you don't have the time, it might cost you more. Or you'll have to dedicate a bit of time doing some training so that way you can make the prep that you do take less time and be more efficient with it. So there are ways around it, but like anything else, it's got to be some sort of trade-off system if you're going to make either more effective use of the time or find a way to have somebody else put that time in for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the spirit of brevity, maybe we'll just, maybe we'll stop here today. That's a very good use of time. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so thank you very much for tuning in this was the first of what will probably be many in our food mini series we've got a couple really cool guests lined up we've actually already done the interviews so i really encourage you to continue to tune in for the rest of the mini series where we'll continue to talk about food um, i'm looking forward to it actually i mean this is something that's going to be a constant problem every time you switch to a new rotation if you move to a new city if you start being in practice if you start having a family or if you do have a partner, what you're going to be doing with meal prep for your time is always going to occupy a significant amount of your time and a significant amount of your income. For sure. And for those of you wondering, we did manage to tra track down a couple of residents in really high service requirement specialties and ask them about their food habits. And I got to say, it's uh, it's something else. So you want to <laughs> tune in for that. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, continue to keep you updated from the supermarket sh uh, shelves. And the, the last thing for me, we're going to try and keep our weekly updates short here, but we are moving into a negotiations period for the resident doctors of BC. So if you didn't know, we're going to be renegotiating our contract with the provincial government soon. It's a really big deal. Yeah, it's a 
kind of an exciting time, very interesting time to see. Going to be some big changes to what the collective agreement is, which covers everything from our salary to call requirements to a lot of the details about how we actually interact with our jobs in our day-to-day lives. Um, I mean, if you have questions about it too, there's also supposedly every program has somebody on the Council of Program Representatives. So somebody that you can actually track down and ask about it and they would be a good source if you want to talk to somebody in your program about it. Yeah, and so Paul is the COPA rep for physiatry at UBC. So whenever I have any questions about negotiations, I can go to Paul and he will have been updated by the resident doctors of BC and uh, he'll be able to answer those questions and your own program should have an analogous Paul. Maybe won't have as good of a voice, but you know, Pluses and minuses. He means it'll be better. better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, be sure to keep an eye out for our emails. When it comes to negotiating with the government, one of the most important things we can do is have a clear mandate from the membership. And what that means is we need you to answer surveys. That's really all it takes. And if you can answer a couple, couple surveys over the next two to three months, we think we'll be able to get a much better agreement from the provincial government. But I can't stress this enough. Without you participating in those surveys, it really kneecaps our ability to effectively negotiate with the provincial government. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the times that the surveys really do matter, and they matter in things that affect you in your day-to-day life. And we'll keep them short. So keep your eyes open for the emails, and when you see them, please read them, please answer them. So thank you very much, and we will catch you next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.